Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models, and I hope what you that you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. So today's guest in this impact series is Susan Piver, and I'm so delighted to have Susan here. Susan is a writer, teacher, and founder of the international mindfulness community, The Open Heart Project. She's the New York Times bestselling author of eight books, including the award-winning How Not to Be Afraid of Your Own Life. I love that title. Her, her new book, Start Here Now, An Open-Hearted Guide to the Path and Practice of Meditation, has just been published. And I'm just starting to work my way through it and uh, really enjoying that book as well. Susan has an international reputation for being an exceptionally skillful meditation teacher. She also teaches workshops and speaks on mindfulness, meaning, communication styles, relationships, and creativity. Known for her insight, clarity, and humor, Susan is as comfortable giving a 60-minute keynote to an audience of thousands as she is leading a day-long off-site for a small group. She's been interviewed by Oprah, Katie Couric, and the New York Times, among others. Susan's mission is to teach everyone how to slow down, soften our hearts, sharpen our minds, and create a life of fearlessness and authenticity. So welcome, Susan. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm I'm very glad you're here, that I'm here too. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure, and I uh, I wanted to start off with uh, just exploring that idea of fearlessness a little bit. You mentioned that as uh, being part of what what you want to do in terms of the impact you want to have. Do you really believe there's such a thing as fearlessness? How do you how do you define that? Yeah, I absolutely do believe that there's such a thing as fearlessness. However, it does not mean the absence of fear. I think the most concise way to describe it would be unafraid of fear. Because we all possess fear, and in some forms it is extremely useful and pragmatic and a very, very, very important you know, capacity to possess. The capacity to be frightened by things that are threatening is... Very important. However, we also are often frightened by things that uh, are not actually threatening, but somehow we interpret them as being so. And in those moments, when we feel the companionship of just fear about something we're about to do, a decision we want to make in our work, or a conversation we want to have with a colleague, Fearlessness doesn't mean not feeling afraid. It means more like welcoming the fear into your experience of what you're about to do, making room for it, not so that it can dominate uh, the situation, but so that you sort of recognize it and you're not afraid of it. And doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means you're not afraid of being afraid. So I don't want to sound too like, you know, Abbott and Costello here, but 
uh, when you're not afraid of being afraid, you have the capacity to gain the benefit that comes with fear, which is not comfortable, but is a kind of wakefulness. It's a kind of sharpness that comes with fear. You can't be afraid and sleepy. <laughs> so that energy of you know, alertness is more accessible when you don't shun your own fear. Well, it's an, and it's an openness to the entirety of your experience. It's not like you're shutting off part of it in order to be able to do something. You're, you're open to the fullness of that. Exactly. That, that's really well said. And, and that is what the practice of meditation is, is teaching. We teach ourselves how to open to our own experience, how to make room for all the things that we feel and experience, the desirable, the undesirable, and the unclassifiable. And this sort of capacity to open your mind, to make space for the full spectrum of your experience is very potent. It's not just better than trying to cordon, you know, ghettoize certain things and hide from things and run after other things. Because when you open to the fullness of your experience, you open also to insight and clarity and love and creativity. So it's all sort of in there together. And when we try to cordon off one piece, we often obscure many other things as well. Yeah. I, I mean, in my own experience, I know when I'm able to be present to that extent, there's a deep relaxation in that of feeling that you can deal with whatever comes up, that circumstance does not define you. Right. That's a really good way of saying it. Circumstance does not define you. And and that you mentioned relaxation is really interesting to me. And my experience is similar it's not that you feel relaxed and chilled out, right. but you sort of feel relaxed and alert. Mm -hmm. And this is a very good way to go about one's business in the state of relaxed alertness. And meditation instructors say that that is called synchronizing mind and body. Mm. So that when you your attention is actually engaged in what you are experiencing, meaning you're not trying to block anything out or whatever, your mind and your body are in the same place because your body is what feels afraid. And then your mind inter adds a storyline. You know, maybe your brain also feels afraid. I'm not really sure of the neuroscience, but the, the fear, the feeling, and the story are not the same. And we often get sort of lost in the story and at that point, we depart from the present moment. But when we stay with the feeling, our mind and our body are synchronized. And that's, again, what meditation is, synchronizing mind and body. But yoga is also, yoga means union and union of mind and body. And that's sort of considered the ideal state in, in wisdom traditions. And I... I I completely agree with you what you said about this being kind of the perfect place in which to have your own business, to operate your business, to be in that that kind of space. And y your work has been so wide-ranging. You, you teach meditation. You're very knowledgeable about it. You give workshops. You speak. 
what is it that drew you to that constellation of work? What is it that was it about all of that that comes together to to be meaningful for you? Hmm. Well, that's that's and and I appreciate the question. It's a hard question for me to answer because it sort of infers that there was a cart and then there was a horse and then they got together and they went somewhere. <laughs> and my experience in my work has always been some a cart appears, a horse disappears, so some, some sometimes they get together, sometimes they fall apart and it's never quite clear what is going on. I know that I'm not advising this way of being, but that's how it is for me and I guess what drew me to it was some combination of my own inspiration and then seeing the possibility for that inspiration to actually have a place in the world. And that's one answer. But the other answer is probably I had no choice. It felt choiceless. It's like there is no plan B here. And this is what I'm built to do. So I must do it. That's very powerful um, to hear that. And and in following that, is that is that part of why you think your your business is unique in the way that it is that you've followed these threads or these um, things that have really drawn you? Yeah, I do. I do think so. And and that's you know for better and for worse. Because if I had a different approach, you know, it would look different. But it's it's a business that only knows how to grow organically, at least thus far. And that's a slow road. Mm-hmm. It's a good road, ultimately, I think, especially for things that involve spiritual wisdom. Because anything that hits, gets, and splits is just going to confuse you this is the long road i i think this the path of sort of introspection and and spiritual inquiry and building a business that supports people to walk those roads and make those inquiries has to meet that rhythm i'm not saying i planned it that way (laughs) but every time i think oh well why don't i just do this marketing strategy or this it just it just makes me feel ill. And at the same time, you know, marketing's great. I used to be a VP of marketing in my previous life. I have no, yeah, in the music business. Yeah. And I have no, it's, I have no value judgments about it at all. It's, it's just what it is, but I can't figure out how to grow in any other way. (laughs) So yes, it, it looks like it does because of how, I guess how I am. Well, and and a couple of the things that you've touched on is is allowing it to grow organically and to um, be walking a kind of spiritual path and the growth of this business. Is it? Are your values tied up in that as well? Are there things that you feel really strongly about that you you think tie into how you're choosing to let your business evolve. I'm, I'm asking because I, in the conversations that I've had with people about impact, clarity about your values and what you deem to be f- fundamentally important to you 
seem to tie in very strongly with the impact that you want to have and that you end up having. Um, hmm. So I just wanted to uh, give us an opportunity to explore that a little bit. Yeah, no, I, it's a really interesting thought. I, I am lucky in the sense that although what I'm teaching is, I think, completely whatever, you could do it or not. It's not meant for these people and not for those people. It's nonetheless, even though it's presented in a very, I think, just sort of open way, the truth is that for me as a teacher and a creative person, it's all rooted in lineage. Meaning, I am a longtime Buddhist practitioner and student of the Dharma. And I've been trained, I would say, quite carefully over a long period of time to practice meditation and then how to teach meditation. So I have like, uh, I have, someone's got my back here in terms of values and, and choosing how to do certain things because the training is so, I mean, I practiced for 10 years before I was eligible to become a meditation instructor it was it was like a so anyway I guess the point I'm trying to make is I have a I have a playbook of sorts I mean it's not written down but I have guiding principles that I feel so confident in and they're not ones that I made up although they are ones that I embrace fully because they make complete sense to me Mm -hmm. because I've tested them not because they make sense on paper and so those principles guide and impact that is i believe that the impact comes from connection in my case to lineage because there's a transmission quality that comes with a lineage my teacher taught me his teacher taught him her teacher taught her so on and so forth all the way back you know theoretically to the time of the buddha so I'm not saying I'm standing in for the Buddha, but there is this really potent through line of a serious wisdom that I may or may not understand, but I'm doing my best to try to offer it in my own way. But there's, I feel like there's a lot that's got my back. That said, you don't have to be a Buddhist or anything, any kind of religious or philosophical anything to draw on a lineage. And, and I believe me, I've seen it a million times. The impact comes from embracing lineage. So if you are trying to help people by being a coach, for example, you are in a lineage of certain kinds of coaches that came before you mm-hmm. or that taught you and who were their teachers and who were their teachers because none of this came up in a vacuum. And maybe you combine a certain view of personal coaching or business coaching with your own spiritual path or your own philosophical views, well, those things were also taught by someone. Mm-hmm. So the lineage that you are bringing through, like you, not me, you, is there right now. And tapping in on a daily or regular basis to that support system of great teachers who either have taught you or who you aspire to be like, creates something powerful. Mm. I love that. And I 
completely get, at least uh, to the extent that I'm, I'm hearing this right now, about the, the nature of connection and all of that and how profoundly connected and supported we can all feel in what has come before us and what has gone into where we are now for each of us. Is that Would that be fair to say? Is that Yeah, absolutely. And we all, and I feel confident saying this unilateral statement, even though I don't know anybody who's listening, we all feel completely alone when we're trying to make our own business and often just in general. And you're not. You're not. And the more we can tap into community in real time, human face to face, or just in a more soulful inner level of recognizing the voices that have influenced us in a way we really love, th- that connect sense of connection to others actually can create energy and inspiration when there might otherwise not be any. Yeah, that's that's very profound. I mean, I can feel it just hearing you talk about it, how um, deeply it, it connects all of us, because even as we're doing the work that we're doing, we're furthering that connection. We're reaching out to other people, and it's an extension of that whole lineage that you're, you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Is Are there, are there ways that, I mean, out of this lineage tradition that you... Um, obviously feel very rooted in. Are there ways that that you think that you have impact that is either unique to you or a continuation of the work of of the people that have taught you? Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, if if I have impact, it would be the same way that anyone has impact, I believe. And that is through some quality of genuineness because that's what really touches me and I think that's what really touches most people whether they like what a person is saying or understand what a person is saying or find what a person is saying useful being in the presence of someone who is practicing authenticity or being authentic Whatever that, you know, and that's a complicated word. We, you know, it's not, doesn't just mean blurting out whatever you think, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You know, skillfully authentic, which is the same thing as present. Mm. Then impact is made. It doesn't matter what other qualities you possess or lack. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I I think that when we connect at that level of really being present with each other, there's a a resonance there, and there's a, a there's a way in which we all deeply want to be seen, and that level of connection is is such a profound way of being seen. Is that I, how you? I, think about I yeah, I agree, and I would add being present with yourself first because. That's hard, and because we all don't like ourselves in so many ways, we're so hard on ourselves, and then we're hard on ourselves about being hard on ourselves, and then we're hard on ourselves about not being nicer to ourselves, and then we're hard on ourselves to try to be nicer to ourselves, and there's just this endless cascade of self-aggression, and in order for presence to self to begin to take shape, 
that aggression has to diminish. And that doesn't mean getting rid of it, which is also aggressive. Mm -hmm. It means making space for it. It means the opposite of getting rid of it. It means feeling it, just like we were talking about fear earlier, Mm -hmm. making space for it. And when you do, you know, sometimes you just sit around and cry all day, but hey, we're humans and sometimes days are like that. (laughs) But in other cases, you, you relax with yourself and you see, oh, I'm beating myself up right now. And instead of saying, stop that, which is another form of beating yourself up, you just sort of expand. And it's like you almost pan back. If your awareness was a camera, you would sort of pan out and see, oh, there's that thing that's happening. It's called aggression. It feels very unkind, very sharp, very heavy, very whatever it feels like. And... Now I wonder what's for lunch. In other words, you, you know, your your mind just sort of is going from place to place constantly. It's it's landing in aggression, then it's landing in hunger, and then it's landing in, you know, joke you want to tell yourself, and it's landing in something you said 12 years ago. It's it's just constantly cascading, and when you try to block one piece of the waterfall, the whole thing backs up. So you know. It doesn't feel good to open to, to self-aggression and self-hate even. It's obviously, it, doesn't, it feels terrible. But to open to it is a, a gesture of gentleness and kindness. Mm. And almost like you are a, a, a good parent or a good friend who's saying, come here, honey, let's have a talk. Let me have a look at you. Let's have a seat. We'll be together through this. Is a much... Mm, more powerful way than trying to change the way your thoughts because just who changing these set of thoughts into those set of thoughts no matter how horrible the first set is and how fabulous the second set is they are both forms of aggression and instead you could just sort of relax well there's a deep compassion self-compassion as well as compassion for others when you're exercising that with other people that you're that you're talking about totally yeah and it happens, seems to happen naturally. You soften toward yourself, and then you notice, oh, I am softer towards others, too. Right, yeah. And you're talking about um, the impact that you have. You said, if I have impact. You're talking about it in a very humble way, a very um, gentle way. Of, uh, I- I'm curious about how you see yourself as in this role of of being an agent of impact, an agent of positive change. How do you see yourself in that setting? How did that evolve for you? Well, I guess, you know, it's still evolving, and it's a a very interesting and and sort of challenging thing to me. I I guess the best metaphor, the best analogy would be I feel like I approach it as as an artist, I suppose. You know, what is my inspiration? How do I bring that inspiration into a creation? How do I form that creation? How do I deal with it when that creation bites me back? How do I deal with it when that cre- that tr- creation seems to want to expand? And then once it's created and it's out there, it's kind of none of my business. I, I don't. I kind of. 
I don't attend to it in the same way. I mean, of course, I want it to be successful for all sorts of spiritual and financial and professional and human reasons. But I don't take any credit or responsibility for how anyone might react to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if people love it, it makes me happy. And if people hate it, it makes me feel terrible. But that said, in a overall sense, I don't really... The impact that it has is its emanation, not mine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you, does that make sense? I absolutely do. I, I, it just made me think of um, Elizabeth Gilbert's new book, Big Magic. I don't know if you've have had a chance to read it. No, that. I haven't. I got it, though, but I'm, I'm psyched to read it, but I haven't yet. Yeah, she talks about how this creative thing comes to you, and it has a life of its own, in essence. I mean, she's far more eloquent than I'm being in the moment, but but what you're saying as well is, is in the in the same vein that it it once you release it into the world or or once you've your role of creation in it has been completed then you kind of release it with no specific expectation of uh, or or at least no feeling of of control over how it's received right I mean, I, I, of course I want, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm all Zen about it or anything. <laughs> I, I, I really want people to love it. I want people to love me. I want people to buy things that I'm selling. I want sure. to be able to make a living, blah, blah, blah. But I, I feel when someone says, this is terrible. I just can't stand this. And you're, you know, you're taking advantage of people by charging money for spiritual things, for example. That's something I've heard before. Right. At first, it stings me, and I and I get angry. I'm like, wait, you don't know me. You 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 have no idea what. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. You don't know. But you're you're just hitting me with this bat of your own projections, please. And so it it's first it hurts, and I think, oh well, that's a weird problem that you have that you think that. <laughs> um, although I want to help, I want to. I never shut anyone out. I never say, oh, well, screw you. I'm taking you off my list. I try to talk it through. And I actually had some of the most wonderful and fruitful conversations of my professional life with trolls, quote unquote. But then when someone says, oh, I love it. This really helped me. I feel like, oh, that's I'm so, that's so nice for you. I'm so glad for you. I truly don't feel responsible. And... I don't know if it's because I'm just too self-deprecate. I don't know why, but it's like it's like I learned this writing books. You, it's like the book is a baby. You 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 try to take care of it. You you give it everything you have. You you bring it to a point of adulthood. You you know okay now you're ready to go to the world. I've done everything I can for you. I was a good parent in some ways. I was not a good parent in some ways. But the ship is. You have to make your own life now. And I hope you're well. And I'm I'm always here for consultations. <laughs> but now you're on your own. So I kind of have that approach, just generally speaking. Yeah. I love that description that you just gave of, of talking with people who've come to you with feedback that most people would deflect. They would, as you said, take them off the list. And, and people don't want to hear those things about their work. And by engaging with people, regardless of what the feedback is, I think that's... Uh, 
I mean, it says a lot about you in in terms of your character, but also just in how you're choosing to conduct your business as a form of engagement. Absolutely. I I kind of feel like it's my duty and and also it really hurts me. And so there's one time where it didn't work out, but, you know, it's not like this happens all the time. Maybe it's happened half a dozen times in the last year or something, which is plenty, way too much. But (laughs) at one point, everything I was doing was free. And then at one point I said, okay, I'm going to have to charge. If I want to keep doing this, it's gotten to a point where I have to start charging for some things. But all of these things will still be free, but these things now it's going to be a charge. And then I got, ah. But everyone I engaged with, except for one guy, I'll tell you what he said, but everyone said something like, I can't believe you're doing this. You hoodwinked us. You, (laughs) you know, you bait and switch. You're just, no, go talk to your friends, you know, your rich friends about how you tricked everyone. And, you know, some versions of these things Mm -hmm. that were just horrible and and completely not true. Mm -hmm. So in each case, I emailed back just saying, I appreciate that you took the time to write to me and it really hurts my feelings. I, I just, I, I, I'm making the best decisions I can for my business. I'm in no way attempting to, you know, trick anyone into giving me things. But it's, you know, it hurts me to hear this from you. And I just think it's, you know, it's you're not just saying this to nothing. You're saying it to a person. And yeah. I feel you're upset. And I want you to know that I'm upset too. And is there anything I can do to help you see what I see, which is not a person who's trying to be an ass, right. but, and so on. So in every case except one, the person immediately wrote back saying, well, I'm hurt too, because this was a really important thing. And now I, I can't afford it. And I'm really, really upset about it. Mm-hmm. So that gave me a chance to say, well, now I understand what you're upset about. And let's work something out. You know, if $20 is too much, how about five? Would that work? Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. I don't want to left, leave you adrift. And in each case, it turned into this very warm thing. Yeah. But not in the one case. One guy, I said this to him, this hurts my feelings, and I'm really, you know, trying to make the best decisions I can and whatever. Emailed me back and said, oh, just go cry with your friends, Deepak and Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Oh man! It's like, yeah, I'm gonna call them right now and tell them how mean you are. Exactly. <laughs> that was so hilarious. Oh my gosh. Well, and and engaging with people in that way, I I think it's often a shift that people go through in a business where you start off offering a lot of free stuff, and it's it's the model of online. Um, developing an online business these days of mm-hmm. yeah, offer a lot of free content. Um, and uh, for whatever reasons you did that originally, there eventually comes a point of, well, if I, as you said, if I want to continue this, I need to create a way in which value in the form of money is being exchanged. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it's a big shift for people and it's a shift for the people that are on the receiving end of that as well. It can be, um, mm-hmm. but it's, it so speaks to this issue of value and how you choose to frame it. And, uh, I mean, we all as business people, if we're in business to have a business and not as a hobby, then there has to be 
an exchange of value in the form of money. There has to be mm-hmm. a profit. Um, mm-hmm. And all of that comes into play as a way to look at what you're doing and how you're offering it and the impact that you're having as something that you can share with people and you benefit in a, in a monetary way as well as all the other ways that we benefit when we have uh, businesses ourselves. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you speak to that in a I, – I love the way that you have chosen to engage people in that and, and have conversations. And it's – even if it's hurtful in the moment of receiving it, you manage to – play a role in transforming that by being open to the the connection that's yeah that's the authentic piece and you know one one version of the authentic piece would just shoot an email email back going you are an effing that do you know how much this hurts me do you know how which was also true yeah but i was like okay well let me wait and just you know i'm not selling widgets here i'm offering meditation instruction and spiritual guidance of some sort. And part of the spiritual path is compassion. And what is compassionate when a troll hits you over the head with a stick is not going, oh, you must have had a rough childhood. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's, you know, poor you. That would be idiot compassion. But (laughs) I think that's a phrase famously coined by the Tibetan Buddhist meditation master, Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful phrase. But Real compassion, if I'm like, okay, well, I have to have a relationship with this person because that's the compassionate piece. I have to, I'm, I'm agreeing to engage. Some people have been, and I don't want to go on and on about this topic. I know it's not our topic, but have been too brutal. And I've just said, no, forget it. I'm unfriending you or whatever. <laughs> but that's only been once in my whole professional life. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's a sense of, do I just want to engage the people who like me and who think – I'm great or good or whatever. Um, And do I want to then just shut out the people that are angry or upset? You know, it's... Which a lot of people do. Understandable. It depends on what you're doing. If Mm -hmm. you're doing work like I'm doing, you could still say, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put all my energy into the more positive interactions. But can I transform? You used that word and that was right. Can I offer something transformative for not for this other person, but for this other person and for myself? Mm-hmm. And let me try. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And so, it, it anyway, really, it really has those two dimensions. It's not just you, uh, as you've said. I love that phrase, idiot compassion. It's not just you acting out of this completely selfless place because we're all Mm-mm. human. We're all experiencing our own responses and reactions to those situations and by by responding in the way that you did you're bringing in your very human and understandable response and and bringing that into it as well so i think making it more human is the compassionate thing here yeah one of the the things i've been asking people is is uh how how have you dealt with obstacles or barriers or problems in making the impact that you want to have and what you just shared is a a really great example of that I think that um, is there another scenario that you'd like to that you can think of that that you'd like to share with people as a way of just um, kind of helping them think about how they might deal with the impact problems or or barriers they might have Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, there there are two that come to mind. One one is I'm fa- I I face I currently my I think these are my two biggest obstacles. One is some sense of really taking my seat, as we say in the Buddhist world, as a teacher. And for the first few years, and even my first couple of books were like, well, I don't really know anything, but this is what I heard from great teachers, and here's my interpretation of it. And it was very much, this is my perspective as a student of the Dharma, which was appropriate, and I felt comfortable with that, and I still feel comfortable with that. But now, in the last years, it's been more like, this is my view as a teacher of the Dharma, and that's a different thing. Hmm. So somehow allowing myself to expand without becoming an arrogant ass (laughs) or, you know, just just a fool is is a painful thing, actually, because I confront in this effort all the pieces of my inner life that are telling me I'm not good. And... It's a, sort of a, a battle royale at this particular point because there's so many forces telling me, no, you're good, you're good. And there's so many inner forces saying, no, you're not, no, you're not. And it just happens to reach an apex at this point. And I think everyone who's starting their own business has this struggle of who do I believe about my own value and worth? Right. And so it's, it's a battle royale. And, you know, may the best man win, so to speak. <laughs> and then the other obstacle is much more pragmatic, which is I've reached, the, I've reached my capacity as a, someone who know, as, as, an, as a manager. My, I'm so used to doing things on my own. I'm very comfortable working by myself. I have a part-time assistant who is the bomb. I could not work function without her. Yeah, she's awesome. She is awesome. She is great. <laughs> and so now there's her. And my new book just came out. And so there's been a lot of activity for me with that. And it's just in the last weeks reached code red, unsustainable. <laughs> unsustainable. So my regular methods for doing things, which is very nonlinear and just, oh, well, let's see what I feel like doing today and what, what is on fire and, you know, what do I feel that I owe, you know, like who do I owe something to in a good way, not in a bad way. That way is not sufficient anymore. So the obstacle I have now is how do I take the next step? where it's not just me and a part-time assistant because there's too much for us to do. And I'm not sure. So my days have a lot of chaos right now, inner chaos. So that's an obstacle. Well, and that's a point that um, anybody in a growing business comes to. You get to a point of where your capacity is huge as it may be, and however much you may have expanded it over the years, I mean, you're someone who's done a lot of things on your own, and you eventually reach a point where the, uh, well, I guess if I can put it in terms of impact, that your your capability to have impact requires the involvement of other people. That's right. Or a different 
approach. So, so being creative in terms of how you're choosing to even set your agenda, even at that level of, well, how can I have the most impact? How can I have the impact that I want to have? What's what are the things to do today where that it that make that possible? Being uh-huh. creative in in that is it's a really profound shift and not everybody does it successfully it's mm-hmm. it's something that is a real challenge because it it like er, like so many things about business i mean it's a path there are other equally valid paths but it's it's a path of continuous growth and evolution and mm-hmm. transformation even where you are called on to make a shift in how you see yourself, how even in the relationship that you have with your own work. So I, I got a I got a bit on the uh, on the bandwagon there talking about <laughs> about business and business growth, but I, I think it's it's a really profound experience, and it's one that um, you know being present to all the elements of what that brings up for you and and good and bad and um it's it's an amazing experience of exploration and uh not always fun but there's there is a way in which you can work through that there's i mean i don't know what that is but it's there's a a way in which you can grow into a role of having more support, more people involved, whatever that ends up looking like. Uh-huh. Um, so, well, I could not agree more with every single thing you just said. And, and the path of owning your business and ma- ma- creating your business and offering your business and shifting with your business is no less a spiritual path than anything else. It involves tr- transformation and presence and growth and openness and just as much wisdom and compassion as as any path so it, it i agree with you is what i'm trying to say totally yeah is is there something that you would want to leave people with as as a really key or cardinal insight that you've had in this journey you've had with with your own business about how people can can have the impact that they want to have that they want to be a positive influence how um, from from your own experience can you share something with them what what you think would be great for them to know moving forward yeah what comes to my mind is you're not creating something you're stewarding something I don't know if that's a word yeah. but you're Something wants to come through you. Something wants to be born. Something wants to express itself. And rather than thinking, oh, I need to do that, I find it more useful and more accurate to think, how can I steward that? Because it is like, how can I just ease the path for this thing, not how can I be me? Because I, I think that's actually what's happening. Something wants to be created, and you happen to be the vessel. And it could not happen without you. At the same time, it's not about you. 
Mm-hmm. While it is obviously totally intimate, it's very interesting. So any shift you can make from create and manufacture to sort of steward and guide, I find that to be uh, more more wisdom comes from looking at it that way. Hmm. That's so profound, and it ties in with some things you said earlier about um, – I mean, letting go of the outcome once you've released something into the world, and and uh, it's so uh, taking away the the personal element of of wanting to guide every step is is uh, uh, I think that's so profound what you just said. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. And I I so appreciate everything you said today. I think that this path of being an entrepreneur is can be a really profound one, and and you've really brought so much to this conversation around uh, presence and mindfulness, and um, and sharing your own experience. So I thank you so much for for doing that and for being open and and uh, willing to be vulnerable about your own experiences around that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're so welcome. It's a delight to talk with you. I've so enjoyed it too, and um, I uh, I wanted to also give people the opportunity to to be in touch with you if they would like to do that. What's the best way for them to reach you, Susan? Uh, my website, susanpiver.com. Okay. Um, okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. It's just been a great honor, and uh, I so thank you for your time. You're so welcome. It's been lovely for me too. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Um, So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. And thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact.